in on Canuck Central. Satyar Shah with Israel Fair. And Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. We are going to be joined by Gene Principe from Sportsnet coming up in a few moments. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 65650. We'll hit more of your questions and comments coming up after we speak to Gene Principe, who is ready for us now, and he's ready to go on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. And Gene, thanks for making some time for us. Uh, how are you enjoying this brief little break in the action? Not not too bad. Dispatch, plumbing, and heating. Well, there was a time where the Oilers' uh, season looked like it was going down the drain, but now there's nothing uh, nothing hotter than Edmonton. They need to be uh, air-conditioned. They're so hot. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying a few days of uh, Vancouver-like weather. Today was plus 10. Oh, wow. And uh, we're enjoying, I, I don't know what the temperature is there, but uh, plus 10 in January in Edmonton is quite nice after some some minus 40. So, yeah, I enjoy the break. Uh, a lot of people will will take off and, you know, just to go somewhere mm-hmm. else. I enjoy just kind of staying at home for a few days. I hear you. A lot of our colleagues have taken off, taken a break as well, but I'm, we're staying here. And, you know, to answer your question, it's it's been a, a balmy 15 degrees in yeah. Vancouver today. <laughs> wow. And actually, yeah, and yesterday, apparently in Abbotsford, it got up to, got up to 18 Ooh, degrees. Shorts Ooh. weather. It's the Pineapple, Ex- Pineapple Express, uh, the weather thing. Yeah, yeah. Not, not whatever else <laughs> not you're Not your Friday about. night. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but Gene, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, great segue too, by the way, uh, coming no into problem. how the Oilers are cleaning things up. But, but as far as what this team is doing, they want 60 games in a row and you know I guess we can't say enough good things about how they're playing but it also seems like they're truly playing the right way again yeah you know I would say you know McDavid had a five point game versus Philadelphia uh, the last two games where he and, and Drysaddle were reunited McDavid had seven points in two games I think Leon had I want to say six and so that that's something they haven't done much of. Actually, this coach has been. You know, listen, if any of you have coached, any of your listeners have coached, I don't care what level it is, let alone the NHL. You've got two really good players on your team, and you try and split them up, and then you're going, it's not going well. I'm going to put these two together: hockey, uh, you know, basketball, uh, soccer. Especially we have indoor soccer, which is similar to hockey. Outdoor soccer, you're you know, you put your two best strikers together. Whatever it is. Um, but this coach, Chris Knobloch, has really held off on that just just two games ago. I mean, they won 14 straight before he, he really put them back together. He has put them together briefly and in game or win 14 in a row. He threw them together in the third, if I remember correctly, and it helped them get the victory. And then he just kept with them uh, for 15 and, and for 16. And then we'll, we'll wait to see what he does uh for 17, but you know you got a goalie who's won 12 straight to to set a franchise record. Uh, I think it's 14 games straight or within the, the numbers start to fly. I feel like an accountant here, but it's 14 games of two goals or less. So in the NHL, uh, you'll win a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the penalty kill has been 
right around 90% might be second best in the league during that stretch. So, I mean, the numbers uh, would not suggest that you'd win 16 in a row, but would probably suggest you might be 12-2-2 or, you know, or 11-3-2 or something really, really good, but not perfect. It can be hard in hockey to appreciate some of these regular season streaks, especially in Edmonton where the talk ahead of the season was cup or bust and uh, they get off to a poor start and have now put themselves right back in that conversation because of this streak. Uh, They're at 16. They play Vegas coming out of the break to potentially tie Pittsburgh for the the longest winning streak. Uh, Some of this is also complicated by having ties for such a long time in the history of the game. So right. it's it's not like we're going, this is something that we have never seen before, but you've you've been around this team now during this streak. Are are we as a as a hockey fan and a hockey watching public making enough of, of just how dominant the Oilers have been on this streak? Uh, you know, I think that's uh, sad in Israel. I think that's part of the, you know, there haven't been... Um, you know, they beat Philly 5-2. They had a bunch of one-goal wins. They had back-to-back overtime wins. Uh, they're really, they, you know, they started the streak with some third-period comebacks against the Devils and the Rangers. Uh, various ways, but there, this isn't like a, a, a butt-kicking streak where, you know, they're winning games 6-1 and 7-2 and 8-3, and it's happening over and over and over again. Like, it's, it's not that kind of streak. Uh, in fact, they're winning a lot of tight low-scoring games, uh, which alludes back to my 14 games of two goals or less. Uh, So I would say that if someone told you the Oilers were going to win, if not 16 in a row, let's say 10 or 11 or 12, they would have thought in that stretch that McDavid and Drysaddle would be averaging two and a half to three points a game. The power play would be scoring two or three goals a night and be at, you know, 40% or so all the, the offensive things, I think that most people, including myself would naturally gravitate to, but really it's, it's kind of been the, the opposite. And it has been, you know, a backup that's come in and, and won four of the, the 16 games. It's you can't play the same goalie every game. So it's different hero, different night, yeah. uh, familiar ones, uh, but it isn't just one, or two players, or for that matter, one or two lines. In fact, McDavid asked, was asked what was so special about this is that it's it's really been a team streak. And, and, and I think when you get to this amount of games or wins, that's the only way it can be. You know, this isn't a, a basketball team where two or three guys are, are playing 40-plus mm-hmm. minutes a night. You can, you know, ride them night after night after night. Uh, this is This is everybody and maybe that's why they they are kind of enjoying not only the victories but how they're doing it and it's really fascinating how quickly the conversation can switch and, and change so fast I mean the discussion around Edmonton was um, what what changes do they make on the ice how many trades are they making now it's like do you do you even make any changes to a roster that's yeah. won 16 straight games and the, the trade deadline is fast approaching like what do you think ultimately they do I mean they're up against the cap uh, do you think that they are willing to make a move or are they pretty comfortable with their group right now you know, for sure they're comfortable, and, and they have a coach who really doesn't like to make he, – he, that's the way I would coach, is if I had a certain lineup that was always winning, I would want to keep it. But it's, it's you know, Sam Gagne uh, spent some time in Vancouver. He was out with a, a concussion, and uh, he was ready to go, and they got him back in. And, you know, Sam scored the winning goal 
to set a Canadian franchise record when they beat the Flames to make it 13 straight. So, and then, you know, you get Corey Perry and you sign him. Well, you can't, you kind of can't let him sit. Um, so he comes in to the lineup. So he's a coach that doesn't like to change, but understands that when the length of the streak goes this long, you're going to have to make uh, some kind of changes. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know. So, okay, let's look at the forwards. There's a belief that they need kind of like a third line center uh, to help them out as Ryan McLeod has really gravitated to the wing and done a great job. So maybe a, a middle six forward, someone who could flip between two and three, um, on defense, I mean, I'd have to double check, but they've used the same six defensemen for, well, the whole streak. I, mm-hmm. I honestly, for sure, it goes back to when they were in Long Island. Um, for one game, I think they dressed uh, seven defensemen uh, in Montreal when uh, one of the players wasn't able to play, Ryan McLeod, and Phil Kemp uh, came in, and but he played like, I don't know, four minutes. So the same six defensemen have played, uh, i got to think it's very close to 20 straight games, which is virtually unheard of. Uh, but he just keeps <laughs> rolling them out, and they, you know, they're playing well, and they haven't been hurt, knock on wood. So I think, though, you know, when I look at their blue line in the minors, I'm not sure they'd have a defenseman with the kind of experience that they might want. they got a young kid, Philip Broberg, who was drafted in the first round when the draft was in Vancouver, so he would be like their seventh. And then you get to net, where people thought, well, you, you know, Stuart Skinner can't, 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 can't. And mm-hmm. referring back to Vancouver, it was a game against Vancouver early November when Jack Campbell was sent uh, to the minors, and, and Calvin Pickard coming up and, and basically winning when he's asked to has allowed the Oilers a, a lot of freedom and a lot of time to think about what they may need to do or not do. So... For sure, they'll want to bolster, but I, I, I think from from two months ago, where it might have been, listen, we got to do this, we got to do that, it may be a little more of we want to do this, we want to do that. Uh, so uh, now the other thing is that's still, what, five weeks away? So who knows in five weeks where things are at and, and if things change. But if the deadline were in a day or two, uh, that's what I w- that'd be my answer. It might change a day or two before the actual deadline. I have to imagine that uh, this streak has made it pretty fun to be an Oilers fan again and that they're, the, the most of the fan base is riding high. But do, do you think that as the team has turned this around and uh, has now put themselves back in that conversation among the Stanley Cup favorites, that the confidence has also returned to, to the fan base that maybe with a couple of tweaks, this is, this is potentially Edmonton's year? Oh, for sure. I, you know, I, I know that they believe that going in, players and fans, and I, I mean, I think most do, if not all teams, think that they got a shot. And then, as we know, some uh, legitimately or more legitimately have a shot. I mean, you look at Vancouver, there are people that didn't think they'd make the playoffs, and, and now they're, they're number one or two or 1A. I mean, they're the best team in the league. Um, not the hottest team necessarily, but that doesn't mean they're not the best team in the league. So for sure, you believe it more than you did at 2-9-1 when they lost to San Jose on a Thursday night and then proceeded to beat Seattle on Remembrance Day and then had a coaching change the next day. So uh, listen, I, uh, I, I think that this team would have found its way at some point, and I feel like under the old coach or former coach, they would have 
been better, but I, that would be discrediting the new coach for not doing anything. It's like if you're a CEO and you get hired, I'm not sure you just come in and leave everything the same. Why, why hire the guy if you're just going to not change anything? And he did change some things, and well, it's all working. And I have to say, the guy, <laughs> the guy right now is Chris Knobloch being that guy who played you know university hockey and spent some time uh, playing it you know against UBC back in the day, and uh, it's amazing to think. Of, his accomplishment, you know, coming in, I think they're, I want to say they're 24 and three in their last 27. Cause there was also an eight game winning streak, which now feels like, uh, you know, pales in comparison. They've doubled that, which at the time was just one away from tying a franchise record. So for sure, there's no doubt that as of right now, when we're talking, the orders have shot up the ladder and, uh, up the odds makers ladder to a point where they're they're either back or close to where they were prior to the season. Uh, they're not the only hot team in the league, though. There are others, including in the West. Uh, you live in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Colorado's really hot. You cannot, even though Vegas gone through some cold spells, uh, they'll be there. Uh, you know, in the end. So um, Winnipeg's had a great run. Uh, you know, Canadian hockey's. Doing pretty solid. You throw in Toronto, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously Calgary is in the mix. A little more difficult uh, in Montreal, and, and to some extent Ottawa. But it's a great time to be a hockey fan. Great time to be a Canadian hockey fan. Well, and the way things are going, uh, the, they may cross one another in the playoff time, the Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers, and that would be quite the playoff series. I mean, we haven't seen in a very long time. Now, uh, uh, one of the things, too, that's going on this week is the All-Star game. And if the skills competition, Gene, is an absolute hit, do we just give all the credit to Connor McDavid for coming up with the idea? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, uh, it, 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 hockey uh, All-Star festivities are... Um, challenging uh because uh you know it, it, we could uh, they could uh, shoot pucks into an empty net we would watch um <laughs> but you know in the states it, it's a little bit of a different story as you try and uh, filter your way through well 25 markets in the u.s and not only the ones that have an nhl team but outside of the ones that have an NHL team. And, and, you know, I, I remember the, the masks and the Superman capes and everything they did. And that seemed like a lot of fun. You know, they asked players to, to show their personality and be creative. And then like most things, it, it sort of runs its course. So mm-hmm. now they, they come up with some new ideas and it's wonderful. I mean, uh, listen, I think it's fantastic when, if Quinn Hughes is asked, and I know he's he's a captain, and Elias Pettersson or Brock Besser uh, are asked, um, McDavid and Drysaddle are asked, um, in Winnipeg, let's say a, a, a Shifley is asked, or a Kyle Connor, and you know, make your way across, Austin Matthews, whomever, these top players on Canadian teams, whether they're Canadian or not, uh, should have some input and some say on what they think would work best. So it was neat to have Connor involved, and I, I, I think that shows the growth. I'm not sure 18-year-old Connor would have wanted to do it. I don't know, but I do know that uh, you know 27-year-old Connor does want to be involved, and not just involved on the ice, but involved in what the product is on the ice. So I think that's great. Now, I for sure will be watching. Uh, I found it funny, different interviews where where people will ask the players about the $1 million and they kind of just they kind of just shrug it off. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a difficult one to answer because so many of them make multi-millions. Um, 
but it's still a million bucks. You know, I'm not sure you want to say, yeah, I can hardly wait. I really want to win that million bucks. So deep down, that'll pay for something. Whomever wins it, whether it's, uh, you know, a new property, whether it's a, a family trip for many people and friends, who knows what they'll do with it. But uh, I think it's worth trying to see just what the reaction is, not only from those involved in it, but guys like you and me that'll be watching it on Sportsnet. From the outside, it, it really does seem like there's been some growth for Connor McDavid. Uh, of course, you know, basically since he entered the league, he's been a dominant, if not the most dominant player uh, on the ice anytime he's out there. But the last couple of years, it, it seems like there has been that progression towards him embracing his spot in the league as being someone who can who can make some things happen and, and, and can push the envelope a little bit. What what have you seen from him the last couple of years on that, that off-ice comfort that he seems to be developing um, as he's gotten older and gotten a little bit more established that way? Yeah, I see it all the time. You know, in fact, I think where Connor, uh, you know, was not one to take the opportunity to maybe say something that would make headlines or go viral or whatever terminology you want to make. Um, I don't think he says things for that to happen. He's not, I'm going to say something that's going to go viral. He doesn't do it for that. But it shows his intellect, his knowledge, his love, uh, passion for the game and that he will jump in and uh, say something, you know, video review when they were in Chicago. And uh, people want to know what the game's greatest player um, or if you want to say game's top three greatest player or whatever, wherever you put him, he's up high. And they want to know what he thinks. Uh, just like I want to know what Quinn Hughes thinks. And I do want to know what, what Elias Pettersson thinks because they're, they're, they're the game, right? That's who we watch. There are not a lot of players um, that sometimes are willing to speak their mind. And then when they do, they get kind of slapped on. Well, I can't believe he said that. Well, now I think he's comfortable uh, saying what he thinks because I also believe he understands how important his role is in the league, not just on the ice for the Oilers and pushing for a Stanley Cup. That is his number one goal by far. But he wants to see a good league, a healthy league, a vibrant league, a productive league. Like It's not just about himself and his team. He thinks about 32 teams and, and a league that he dreamed of playing in and now he's in and one that he can have an impact on not just for the next X amount of years that he plays but he can leave a, a legacy that, that doesn't involve just goals, assists, points and hopefully Stanley Cups. Uh, Gene, fantastic stuff as always. Appreciate your insight. Uh, enjoy some time off and, and hopefully some balmy temperatures continuing in the Edmonton area. The shorts are on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Gene. Take care, boys. Uh, that is Gene Principe from Sportsnet. And, you know, on the All-Star stuff, which is, is it's fascinating. And, you know, like we mentioned yesterday, actually intrigued to see what happens this year in, in the skills competition. Uh, this one says, All-Star prize of a million bucks. Being a, is that in, in Canadian or American dollars? I would imagine it's American. It's yeah. all U.S. Yeah. That's how the NHL works. It's all U.S. money. Yep. Yeah, so we look forward to seeing all that. Uh, we have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, and anytime you know we have somebody on to talk about the Oilers, this one's <laughs> like, uh, ask him about the eight-one loss to the Canucks. It's like you know, start trolling. It's like we just want to get his thoughts on you know how Edmonton. They're a story, man. They're a story. They're, they're interesting. And as you know, to me, the most interesting part about them is is we're going to be an arms race at the trade deadline, and how much are they looking to improve their team? The Canucks are clearly going to be aggressive in doing so. What are they looking to do? And they're a team. If if things go the way you hope that they go, 
you're facing one of these teams deep in the playoffs, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Edmonton. Like, there's no way you don't play one of these teams in the second round the way things are going, right? Um, If you win the first round, that is, not to get ahead of yourself or anything, but the point being, even if you don't play them in the first round, you're probably playing them in the second round. So it's, you know, these are the teams you're trying to stack up against. For sure. And they are, they're on a, they're on a heater right now. It's been, it's been pretty impressive to watch. And it it hasn't been, as, as Gene said, just, you know, McDavid dominating every game or Dreisaitl yeah. dominating every game. They've played a pretty good team game. It may be a bit of a soft schedule, but like 16 straight. I, I know there's a couple texts going, well, it's not, you know, like the, the Flyers had a 35-game unbeaten streak, but it there was 10 ties in there. You know, yeah. like it's 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 hard to do. And the, we haven't seen this in almost 10 years, yeah. right? It's uh, the Blue Jackets team, the Torts Blue Jackets team somehow uh, reeled off 16 straight. And then we're going back to to uh, a pre-lockout, you know, a pre when yeah. ties were still around, Pittsburgh Penguins, early 90s, 17 straight. So we, we, we don't see this very often. And they can, yeah, they can tie the record in Vegas on Tuesday. Yeah. So a week from today, coming out of the All-Star break against the Vegas team, that should be a fun game. Um, and then they go to Anaheim. If assuming they beat Vegas, they go to Anaheim, and you'd think they've got a pretty good chance of, of making it eighteen. Are they the team that you worry about the most in the division, making the number one seed a challenge right now? <laughs> if they keep this up, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because like you know, in terms of wins percentage, you know, the Canucks are obviously better, no doubt. Yeah. Even if they win, the Canucks still have you know what is it four points? They'll be up if, if Edmonton wins all their games in hand. So the Canucks are still you know obviously the, the team with with the better track mm-hmm. but they have a better win percentage than vegas does mm-hmm. they've already like you know blown past where the la kings are yeah i mean that's probably the team it's them it's them it's edmonton like they they could make this in- i mean if the canucks honestly like edmonton's not going to win every game right they're going to lose some they'll you know they'll come down to earth a little bit we've been saying that about the canucks too though and all they've done their last 11 is go you know they don't have a regulation loss in 11 or 9-0-2 and you know they've They've done their thing, but if they go say four and six, or say two and nine over a stretch, then it's going to get really interesting. But the way Edmonton is going, like you know, your margin for error might be pretty small by the end of the season, which is not a bad thing, I think, for Vancouver. Hundred percent, I'm there with you. I think having a team that's going to be hot on your heels, you know, makes you be a bit more focused. I think, and, and not get too comfortable in your spot. And it's it's too early to really do the playoff seating and matchups and all of that but right now looking at the west if you're the top seed if you're the number one team if you if you win your division and you're the the, the top team you, you've got more points than than the team in the central whoever ends up being in that second wild card spot does look like there's a pretty big drop off yeah, i mean hey you know care for what you wish for i guess edmonton i mean at toronto last year begged for florida and, yeah you know, i mean we saw well. we saw seattle beat Colorado. Exactly. So, I mean, anything can obviously happen and you have to be careful. But if you're looking at it from strength of clubs, there is a huge drop off from that number seven seed. And I'm including LA as a seven right now because they're still a team that should be better than what they've been. But the way things are going, I mean, if you want to take them out out of the list too, sure you can. But they seem like a... That that wouldn't be a fun first round matchup if they figure their thing out. I'm, and I'm sure they're going to get on a roll here at some point and start playing better. And if they start trending in the right direction come playoff time, that could be a tough first round opponent. Ultimately, you got to win. You got to beat good teams. Like mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. If you want to be a champion, yeah, you have to be. But it, we also know that if you want to go on a big run, 
things also have to break for you. You have yep. to do what you can to make life as easy for you as possible. And this year, more than previous years, there seems to be a pretty sizable gap between the first wildcard team and the second wildcard team. Well, and even if it's just the carrot where the Canucks are continuing to have to play competitive games because Edmonton's pushing them, if I had to assign uh, credit or assign a reason for that being worthy or worthwhile, it's that, hey, this team can't rest on its laurels. It has to keep pressing and that it's better for their game mm-hmm. for getting the matchup. But if that carrot is there of, hey, this is what you get for playing this way and, and digging in and getting that that top seed is you get a little bit of an easier matchup. It, it can help with sort of the mental aspect of that as opposed to just feeling like, oh, man, this Edmonton team's coming for us. Well, hey, you get a little bit of a reward. Doesn't guarantee much in the NHL playoffs. We've seen that many times yeah. where top teams get toppled and it can be a surprise. But this year, especially the way that a lot of the teams are at in their evolution. Just that that eighth team in the West does seem like it's not going to necessarily be a team that people are going to be afraid of. Now, maybe, you know, maybe LA keeps... If they, if they go and if they end up being the eighth they, seed... They drop and, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> then, you know yes. maybe a coaching change is sure. in the offing and then they... It's 2012 all over again. You never yeah. know. Yo, <laughs> that's not what people want to hear, no, Sack. Just kidding, just kidding. Ghosts of Jonathan Quick. Still in the league. <laughs> one or two yeah. goals from the past. All right, we're way late. But the one thing I will say to add, I mean, this is the one-year anniversary of the Bo Horvat trade today. It's also the, what, 18, 19-year anniversary or 18-year anniversary of uh, Jim Rutherford trading for Doug Waite. 18, yeah, 20, 2006. Yeah. So uh, for Doug Waite, which they went on to win the Stanley Cup, and Jim Rutherford told us about that team and the similarities between where the Canucks find themselves and that team missing the playoffs two years in a row and then all of a sudden being a contender. Well, things had to break right for you too. And he said, I wasn't sure if we could match up against Ottawa and Detroit, but they were they went out early. And the next thing you know, the whole East opened up, right? So yep. things have to go your way as well sometimes when you're trying to make that deep run. All right, we're way late. We'll get back to more on the other side. Irfan Gaffar will join us right here on Canuck Central. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two of Canuck Central. And this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. It's Satyar Shah with Israel Fair. We're now joined on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, Irfan Gafar. Irf, what's happening, homie? How are you? Oh, baby, All-Star Week. What's going on? Are you excited? No. <laughs> and I, Look, it's, it's an honor for a lot of the guys, especially the first-time All-Stars, but you've been before, you know, you might take the, you might like those, those, that extra couple of days at home or on vacation or somewhere in Cabo or Florida or wherever you're going. Oh, yes, like Dan Riccio. He's somewhere nice and hot and, and balmy. And uh, Murph, Dan Murphy sent me a text from, from uh, Hawaii. Yeah, from Jurassic Park tour yeah, yeah. Murph. Not I bad. Did we all get this? Did we all got the same text from Murph? Yeah, yeah, from we Murph? all got the same text from Murph. Wow. He's flexing on us. 
yeah, flexing on us. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to make it nice and personal. Wow. Yeah, it's been nice though today. Like 15 degrees. I'll take this. Feels like spring. Oh, yeah, nice and nice and balmy out there. It's yeah, great. It's nice. I actually enjoyed walking over today. It was nice. Like just a hoodie. It's good. I'll take it. Hoodie season. Hoodie yeah. season. Where trade season, hoodie season. Oh, uh, yes, trade season. Uh, uh, by the way, trade season. Um, on this show, a few weeks back, huh. uh, we were talking about um, what the Canucks may do at the deadline. And one of the points that we were making is like, hey, sure, you hear Kuzmenko. And not to say they're going to you know, go and trade one of their you know, core top three or four guys. Those guys are not going anywhere. But they're probably more open to doing things and aren't as afraid of making decisions on players than other teams would be. And even if they were to improve the blue line not that you want to trade Zadorov but hey maybe you would have to if you can get the defenseman you're looking for and it seems like his name's popped up again the last few days yeah oh absolutely I mean look when the Canucks traded for Nikita Zadorov they thought they were getting this big honking physical defenseman who had had a big slap shot and played this game at a physical pace and and was really tough to play against and unfortunately that kind of hasn't been the guy that they got they got a really big defenseman but his physicality has been pretty good, like for the but most he's been part. Okay, okay what, well, he's gone to two fights? Yeah, throwing hits, throwing I mean, some fights. You know, stuck up for PD, right? Yeah, okay, stuck up for PD, but he's, I, I don't, like, you're six foot 11. I just, you know, I, I think that there's more to the game than, uh, more to his game, especially if you're not doing anything offensive, you're trying to do things like that. You know, you've got to impose your will on the game, on the game in different areas. Um, and then I think just opportunities may have come up. Teams have called about Nikita Zadorov, and that's no secret. Other people have been reporting it as well. It's not the first time that we're hearing of it. Now, whether the Canucks make a move on this remains to be seen. Um, I'm unsure that the Canucks were ever going to sign Nikita Zadorov to what he thought that he was going to be worth when they acquired him. Um, you know, I, I'm all about guys going to get their money and go and get paid, and I just don't think that the Canucks were going to pay as much as Nikita Zadorov thought that he was worth when they traded for him because you're going to have to sign Philip Ronick to a monster contract. And obviously the Elias Pedersen one remains looming. So that leaves an odd man out. And if teams are calling, you're going to pick up the phone and answer. We've seen uh, in, in Jim Rutherford's history and then by extension, Patrick Alvin, that they don't seem like, you know, overly concerned with the way that moves are going to be perceived and whatnot. So when you, when you mentioned that the Zadorov trade came at a time earlier in the season where, Hey, maybe they thought they were getting a certain type of player. Would you also say that it, it seemed like that was an opportunity that became available to them early in the season when there wasn't a lot of trade activity going on? They could bring a guy in, see what that looks like without having to commit to not even just like forget an extension, commit to like this is what the move that we're going to make for our team. They were able to do that because it, it happened early in the season. They were really just taking advantage of, of a rare opportunity. Absolutely. You're bang on with that. Uh, and I think that, you know, g- good for them for doing it. And then whether it's worked or it hasn't, I mean, obviously some games it hasn't and, and some games it hasn't, you know, he was, he's out of the lineup. I, I know it was an injury there, but um, yeah, whether it's an on the ice thing or, or maybe not, you know, seeing eye to eye with Rick talking in some sorts of things, or maybe it's an off the ice thing. We obviously, we, we don't know really what's going on there, but there's a reason why his name is out there. Right. And when that happens and from numerous people, you're hearing it from, you know, around different league sources and and things like that, then you definitely know there's something up. 
I mean, I mean, I don't doubt. I mean, that something is up. The question to me though is if they're if they're actually making a move. I don't think they make that move unless they're getting an upgrade. Right, like I don't think they're trading a defenseman oh, unless they're acquiring a defenseman. It's probably not going to be Zadorov for that defenseman, but I think that's a big thing. As much as they're looking at forwards, I don't think they're trading Zadorov though unless they get a defenseman back at some some way somehow. No, I, I I agree with you there, but I also think that you know they're working hard to try and clear up cap space. Yeah. So if you can get rid of that salary somehow, and and you know you kind of roll the dice, and it could be you could line it up for a bigger move, obviously down the road, and we've seen them do that before as well. Um, with types of trades that, that they made. That's something that I can see as well. But, yeah, it, it's one that we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on. And, I mean, and look, there's obviously no secret that they want to improve uh, in their top six forward group as well. Um, you know, we've heard so many different names being, you know, thrown about around who the Canucks are interested in and, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a wild five weeks. And you're going to hear some stuff come out from this All-Star game. I'm assuming Elias Pettersson is going to be asked about his obvious contract <laughs> situation that's going on. He's not going to like the question, but he's going to get asked it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up from this week in Toronto, that's for sure. On Zadorov, since, uh, you know, that uh, rumor and, and, and reporting yesterday sort of picked up, the text box here has just been filled with people, for the most part, saying that the Canucks should keep him because of the physicality, because he brings a dimension to the team that otherwise they don't have. And I agree with everything that you said about him as a player and maybe what he is versus what he was advertised. But do you also see that that flip side to hey, this is a team that a lot of people for a long time have criticized for not having that physicality, for not being that bruising, aggressive team. And this guy does at least have that skill set. Yeah, but he's, like, I mean, from other people around the league and stuff like that, he's not that hard to play against. I mean, yeah, he's physical. He's just, he throws hits, but he's really, really big. So the hits look a lot different than another guy. Dakota Joshua throws a lot of hits. Mm. And he plays a very physical game. I think he's number two in the league in the hits right now. You know, for, and he's a guy that scores, uh, sc- scores goals or has been scoring goals this season for this team as well. So it, it's, a, it's a different outlook when you look at Nikita Zadorov. I think that what the player they thought they were getting is different from the player that they have right now. And as far as, okay, uh, before we get to Kuzmenko, let's focus in on the defense. I mean, and sure, I mean, you move space, you want to bring somebody in. I mean, Chris Tanev's name obviously is still out there. Is that, is that the most obvious player that Vancouver is looking at in terms of a defenseman? Yeah, I mean, it's the easiest, it's the easiest one to put there. I mean, because everyone's looking at Chris Hanna, right? Obviously, his team has, he has a no-trade list of places that he doesn't want to go. We heard that Ottawa was interested, and obviously something happened there. But um, if Chris Hanna comes, dual, does he want to come? Is he here as purely a rental? Are the Canucks looking to re-sign him? Does he want to even re-sign here? Does he want to test the open market? This is probably his last chance to get, you know, a, a pretty decently sized contract, probably looking for somewhere of up to five million bucks a year on at least a three-year term, maybe a little bit more if he can get it. And then you have to look at it from the Canucks point of view. Is that something you're willing to do, right? Or are you looking to, you know, bring him in and you hope that maybe he takes one of those quote-unquote hometown discounts because he's played here for so long to re-sign here. But um, he's obviously someone that not only the Vancouver Canucks, you, know, you can throw the Leafs in there, obviously. You know, Ottawa was mentioned, Elliot Freeman mentioned that. And there's a bunch of other teams, obviously contenders that would be looking to improve their blue line as well. The the hole, as mentioned, was you know the top six and, and getting another forward that can produce some offense that might have some versatility. Uh, you know we've seen the Lotto line reunited over the last couple of weeks, and that, that's that's something that I guess is another option for this team. But when you when you look at what the Canucks have up front, 
what and, and you mentioned that there's a bunch of names that the Canucks have been linked to. You know, even over the last couple of days, you know, spent a bit of time talking about Lindholm, talking about Gensel. I guess those would be the two guys at the top of the list. But there are some some other names that mm-hmm. are out there. What's the Let's say that this is a player that the Canucks are tr- acquiring to to play with Elias Pettersson. What is that skill set? Do you think that that they should be looking after? Well, I think if you're trying to acquire a guy like Elias Lindholm, which you should if you're the Vancouver Canucks, I think he fits what they're trying to do here. You just have to be careful about his age, right? And I think mm-hmm. that you and I have talked about yeah. that as well. But um, you also have to keep in mind is where where do you want to play Elias Pettersson? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's no if you want to play him on the wing. Well, I think that works perfectly for them. Right. I think when you look at Lindholm's numbers, when he played with really, really, really good players, he put up really, really, really good numbers, you know, and, and I think the, the thing for him right now is you look at him, look at him in Calgary. He doesn't have the Johnny Goudreau's on his wing. He doesn't have the Matthew Kachuk's on his wing. Right. You know, he's got guys that are decent hockey players, but they're not they're not that superstar level being able to put the puck in that. You bring a guy like him here and you play him with Elias Pettersson, you know, that's that's a pretty good duel there. I mean, unless you don't want to, unless you want to keep Pedersen at center and then have things move around the weather, maybe JT Miller on the wing and, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, Gensel obviously would be clearly the winger. So then is he a guy that, is he going to go get, get pucks? Is he going to be tenacious on the four check? Is he going to be that guy for Elias Pedersen? And another name we've heard as well is Adam Henrique, you know, can play center and wing. You know, he's a guy that obviously, as you know, he's done at the end of this season with his contract as well. But um, that's that's definitely another name that the Canucks are interested in. Yeah, I, I mean, having the positional versatility, I think, will be huge. And you look at the guys they already have. Pedersen can play center, can play wing. Same thing with JT Miller. Get another guy like that. And depending on injuries, depending on matchups, you have a lot of options that that are available to you. So it makes a lot of sense. But again, it comes back to how much space can you clear? Because I'm not sure Kuzmenko is going the other way in any of these trades. And we heard uh, from Elliot that uh, Chicago is a team to watch here for Andre Kuzmenko. What's your sense on Kuzmenko and, and whether they do find a, a different home for him or not? I think that it's, it's time, right? Cause I think he's been given every opportunity here, uh, you know, with the Canucks. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, he got fourth line, he was on the fourth line, but then he was getting top power play minutes and it wasn't really doing anything on that top power play unit. You know, you look at Elias Pettersson, you almost feel bad for him. He's playing with Mikheyev and Kuzmenko, but they're really not doing anything for him either. Yeah. So it's tough for him to even do that, to refer to, tough for him to try and drive that line when those guys aren't really helping him out either. Um, so you look at Andre Kuzmenko, and I don't want to say his future's over here, but you kind of look at it and say, if you're Rick Tockett and you're setting up your lineup to play the Seattle Kraken or the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs, and you look at that roster up and down, and you're putting a team out there to win, is Andre Kuzmenko really on it the way that he's playing? Right? Rick Tockett's coaching to win hockey games. He's not coaching to make agents happy. He's not coaching to make players happy or anything like that. He's coaching to win games. And right now, Andre Kuzmenko isn't a guy that, you know, has proven that he can play in the lineup night in and night out. Well, and it, it's like kind of, it's tough in the sense that it's not good for the Canucks that Kuzmenko's had this season, but it also yeah. makes that spot the obvious upgrade. Where where do you think you know? I, there's been obviously or tons of talk about this in the last few weeks, but if if you feel like this is coming to a head and that this is this is what what's going to be, where do you think it it started to to go wrong with with Kuzmenko and the Canucks? Structure. I don't think it was the lack of scoring. 
The guy scored 39 goals in the National Hockey League. Like, he can clearly put the puck in the back of the net. I think it's structure. I think it's system. I think it's, you know, a little bit more of what Rick Tockett and the type of game that they're trying to play maybe doesn't fit the style that Andre Kuzmenko likes to play. Yeah. Um, that, and, and I think that that's pretty evident when you watch the game. You know, he is a little bit lost out there. Look, he's, puck, he's put the puck in the net a couple times this season. He's made some brilliant plays. There are some flashes of it, but it's the consistency that's not there. And then you hear it from his head coach. He's got to back check. He's got to play defense. And then you hear it from the president basically saying that he can score whether in this league, whether it's going to be here or somewhere else, he can still score. So well, I'm not the only one saying it. You know, when it comes from Jim Rutherford's mouth and other people, there's, there's definitely something up. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like we mentioned off the top, I, I think this front office is probably more open to making moves on this roster on players than fans would expect. And that's, again, they're, they're not trading Patterson, they're not trading Miller or, or Hughes or anything like that. But, I mean... Would you be shocked if there's another player that gets moved off this roster we haven't been talking about? Like, would, would that shock you? No, not at all. I think we've talked about this before. The most shocking thing to me would be if they don't do anything. Right, yeah. Would be if they, if they, if they pass the trade deadline and this is the same team that they have as assembled. Look, maybe, and, and, and maybe that's what they do. Maybe they feel that they're good enough with what they have and they're confident in their depth in the American League if they need to call guys up and, and things like that to go and maybe make, and go and try and make a run here. But... As it stands right now, you, you know, you look at this Canucks team and you look at who up they're going to go up against, maybe the Colorados, maybe the Vegas, maybe the, the, the Dallas Stars, the Winnipeg Jets of the, of the Western Conference, and you have to improve if you're them. Well, then when you look at the roster, and it seems, and Sat and I have been talking about this for the last couple of days, there's the obvious hole at forward and then there are it's, it's a less obvious hole on defense but if if it was if it was rejigged if the, the the depth chart was restructured a little bit i think you would feel more comfortable about that um and the price isn't going to be as high so what what do you think is more vital that they go and they get that real obvious glaring hole top six piece someone that could potentially play with elias Pettersson? and it's going to cost them something or get someone that fits better. We've been talking about Chris Tanev. That one on mm -hmm. paper just makes tons of sense. It's not going to cost you nearly as much, but maybe isn't going to have the, that, that same sort of big picture impact. I think because their defense and their decor is so much better than it was last year, they're not having to pull the puck out of the back of the net a million times a game. Yeah. So therefore, you, you, know, you have a team playing team defense. So why not go in and try and improve on your offense? You know, why not go try and get a top six guy? Go get another scoring winger. Go get a two-way center. Go get one of those guys that can help. Go get another power play guy if you can. Right? And then maybe while you're at it, if you can beef up, beef up the bottom six four group with a pick or, or something like that, I'd, I'd, I'd try and do that as well. I don't think the Canucks should go all in as to trying to be, you know, a team that goes and tries to – you know, think of themselves as a cup contender. I, I don't know if, if they really think that. I think that they can make some noise in the playoffs, but I think that they definitely owe it to themselves to try and improve and anything happens once you get in. Yeah, I mean, especially this year where it seems like it's it's pretty wide open. And and honestly, the, yeah. the trade market, it's pretty thin as it is. Like, that's one of the things I wonder about. Do we see some names pop up we haven't seen before? Or is it going to be what we've heard about so far, which are the UFAs we talked about so much? And that's the one thing I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Do we see anything else shake loose here in the next three to four weeks? I think you probably what you see is what you get right now. I mean, obviously, it's been really quiet around the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights. Right, it's been really quiet. I think the team to watch out for is Boston. 
Like they're good right now. And they remind me of like Vegas a couple of years ago where they went out and made a couple moves at the deadline and they just got way better. And they're, they're, they're willing to go all in again. Um, so that, that's a team. I mean, obviously it's not a secret. It's not a shocker that I'm saying it because they're obviously tied with the Canucks for the best teams in the league right now, but that's a team I'd be really interested to see what they do at the deadline. Yeah. And a team that we've heard kind of sniffing around Lindholm as well. Elias Lindholm, that is. So, right. uh, they're not related Hampus and Elias Lindholm, but they want to reunite no. Lindholms <laughs> together. So, uh, we'll see. Hey, Irv, great stuff as always, man. And, uh, wh- okay. So will you actually watch the skills competition though, or no? Like, are you going to watch it because there's a, there's money on the line or are you just not going to bother i'd rather watch me trying to get range of motion on my toes than <laughs> watch the skills competition the best was frank serval the best was frank Cervalli. i think he said about the skills competition which is funny it's 11 of the best players in the nhl and jt miller i hope jt miller wins i hope now. so too that would yeah, be good. i hope so yeah. too i i really hope he wins just based on that line alone like it you've got like literally the 11 of the best players in the nhl and jt miller so well, people don't remember, and I will always beat this into people's heads. JT Miller was on that under-23 North Team North America team at the, at the World Cup of Hockey. So clearly, he's one of the best, he was one of the best 23 players in the NHL under a certain age. So he definitely deserves to be there, especially with the season that he's having. Yeah, absolutely. He's been sensational. And Irf, great stuff as always, man. Thanks for your time, and we look forward to chatting with you next week when the action gets going again for your Vancouver Canucks. All right, gentlemen, enjoy the break. Ciao. Thanks, Irf. Uh, that is Irfan Gafar. Uh, and a lot of reaction to Earth's hit usually is on the text inbox, also on Twitter. Uh, Tommy says, follow up uh, on Twitter. Where would you use the extra power play guy you think they could get? I think when we talk about the power play guy, the reason you look at Lindholm and to Earth's point earlier, and we talked about this before, he fits a lot of those needs. So he's a right-handed center, can mm-hmm. win face-offs, can play on your PK, is a right-handed shot for your power play can play center, can play wing, can play in different situations. So he fits a lot of those needs, right? Now, if you get somebody else, maybe he they can fit some of those needs. Like Jake Gensel fits a lot of those needs as well. Again, he can go on, on the power play and there's your fifth guy on the power play. Because right now, if Kuzmenko's not on your first unit, it's Pew Suter. Now, hey, he's done great in the short term, but is that a guy you can live with on a long playoff run, being an integral part of your power play? Or would you like to upgrade? I yeah, think you would you like to upgrade. Like to upgrade. And, and I think you'd like to get a guy that can fit a lot of those things. And I think that's the way you have to kind of view the Canucks looking to make an addition. Yeah, if you add Gensel, it's great. I'm not saying don't add Gensel, you know. But if you're looking for some center depth, you're still looking to find some center depth. Whereas with Lindholm, it fits a lot of those other needs. Now he's not the high volume shooter you're yeah. getting in Gensel, which would be a great trigger man for Patterson. Mm-hmm. But again, it's can you construct a perfect team or do you try to fill, fill as many gaps as you can? Lindholm gives them some more things to think about with the skill set. Yeah. Gensel has the higher ceiling in the sense that what he does well is probably better and more impactful than anything Lindholm does. But Lindholm does three, four, five things that you can get excited about. And then the thought would be, okay, maybe some chemistry really shows with, I keep seeing saying Pedersen, because that mm-hmm. to me is the one that makes the most sense to try him with if they were to acquire him. Whereas with Gensel, it's, hey, this guy's being brought in to score goals and to be a high volume shooter. On the power play, it, I guess it would be helpful to have that kind of player, you know, especially with Patterson's power play shooting not being the weapon that it's been at times. 
Lindholm would have the more versatility there, I think, as well, though, right? Like, you can put him in a couple of different spots. He could be a bumper guy. He could be someone that can facilitate as well. And, hey, who knows? Maybe he ends up in an environment where he he's playing with the talented mm-hmm. players like he was a couple of years ago and ends up having the production that he had with Calgary back when he was playing with Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think uh, that's something you can see a lot of production come back. And you, I can understand why the Canucks are interested in, in, in Elias Lindholm. But again, it wouldn't shock me if we see something happen that we didn't see coming because that's usually kind of how these guys have operated. And I'm kind of hoping for it because I'm kind of bored of talking about the same players again. You know, you know, it's like it's the same guys we talk about all the time. Like the same guys You're having that come memories up. of last year talking about the Bo Horvat trade for yeah, hundred days in a row. It's like who are the teams? And it's like, well, the Islanders are a team. Nashville's a team. It was essentially down to like I remember we did a prediction a few days before the trade happened, and the three teams, well, really the two teams we came down to and said who's more likely. It was Nashville and the Islanders. Those are the two teams we we're kind of looking at, and it's like. And ultimately, it was the Islanders yeah, who made the trade. Which right? made sense because those were two teams that weren't giving up on trying to yeah. be competitive, but weren't at the high end of the league. So they able to add that kind of player. And obviously, in, in, in the Islanders' case, add Horvat and sign him immediately to, yeah. to, to make him part of, of what their future was going to look like. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you heard Irfan Gafar. He was on the hotline brought to you by Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. The first call, the only call. It's Satira Shah with Israel Fear. This is Canuck Central.